Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Folks, I'm glad to have here with me today my guest, Neil Brennell, who's going to be sharing with us about his journey of breaking generational curses. Neil is known as the crazy inventor. He is such a multifaceted individual. And just being an inventor at heart, he cares so much about curiosity and exploration. And this has been something that's really helped him find himself in his own journey of healing. Neil is an author of uh, The Doorway to a Lifetime of Freedom and You're Amazing and I'll Prove It. Both of these are books that I suggest you check out. 
Today, Neil shares with us about his journey of, you know, being born virtually blind and being misdiagnosed and the trauma that came along with that, along with the trauma that occurred at the age of 15 by being trafficked by his parents. And so he's spent over the last 50 years really exploring how to heal, how to move forward. And so he brings with him just deep insight and understanding and simple strategies for breaking free from generational trauma. He lives in the Catskills with his second wife, Linda, and their two pit bulls, Mercy and Mr. Brown. Neil, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. It's such a sweet thing, and I'm really looking forward to, to hearing your story today. And so as we get started in our conversation, I wonder if you can just kind of take us, you know, to the beginning and, you know, tell us a little bit about your life and your journey and, and what it's been like for you. Well, thank you, Rachel, so much for all that you've done to help people and, and continuing to help people. Information is really, really important. And you're getting that information out. That is really cool. Thanks, Neil. <laughs> As far as as far as my life goes, first I, I want everybody to know that I am an inventor. That that is my aptitudes. I I personally know that everybody is an inventor for the most part. Everybody is a creator, and, and inventors are just dumb enough to think they can do it for a living. You know, every, everybody else just. <laughs> but well, I discovered that I was an inventor when I was around 30, 32 years old. I took a an incredibly accurate aptitude test, which is not a paper test. It's a test that you put puzzles together and things like that. One of the interesting things to me was that one of the things they did is they flashed some drawings up on, on a screen and gave you a minute to come up with everything you can come up for, for when you look at this drawing. And by the time that minute was done, I wasn't even close to, to being done. I was, you know, it's just keep going. And that's uh, that's a um, idea reservoir is what that's called. And so I just have all nuts ideas coming out all, all, all the time. Well, this test showed that I was an inventor, and my first wife, who passed away very very suddenly. Uh, she was 38. She collapsed on the floor and she was literally gone at that point. And um, when she went in to, to evaluate me with the, the lady, the lady told me I was an inventor and my wife, I, I kid you not, she was begging her, please <laughs> tell him he's anything but an inventor, anything. But <laughs> so that part is important to how I see life. When I was born, I was born into a family with five older siblings, all of them straight A students. They didn't even have to try. I had, a, my brother passed away um, just recently, but my brother took as many courses as he could possibly take in a semester. He brought all the books home the first day. He read all of them, didn't pick up another book, and carried straight A's all the way through. Yeah. And I'm like, what a gift. <laughs> what an amazing gift. So when I came along, I couldn't do anything. I was five years old. I couldn't catch a ball. I couldn't read. I could do nothing. 
And my mother was trying to get me to read and she couldn't get me to read. And from her generation, you categorized yourself who you were and what your value was by how other people saw your family. And so when I came along, they were thoroughly embarrassed of me because how could they have five book geniuses and then have a mentally slow little boy? Well, I then went to first grade. They actually kind of hid me from the neighbors and everybody. Uh, we lived in a very rural area, so it wasn't very hard for them. But at the same time, when I went to first grade, because I am an inventor, you have to prove it to me. You cannot just tell me something is true. And so we've got a six, seven-year-old boy just looking up at these adults and telling them, I don't believe you. you know, and at the same time, I couldn't read. So I, I, I didn't believe him and yeah. I couldn't read. And so my teacher became so frustrated with me that with me present, she told my mother that I was a waste of time. She told her that she was not going to spend one second trying to teach a mentally slow little boy and that I was going to be dependent on other people for the rest of my life. Mm. Well, so at that point, I obviously failed first grade. Someone suggested that they have my eyes checked. When they checked my eyes, the doctor came back and said, his one eye is so bad that I cannot believe that it hasn't shut off already. And the other eye is almost just as bad. So when my mother tried to teach me to read, I, one of the things that came out of that, let's back up just a little bit. One of the things that came out of that was the fact that because I couldn't see, I had the rare privilege of getting to know people by sensing their spirit rather than seeing their physical features. And I was sensing that people were really good. Yeah, they get angry, they get frustrated, all this kind of stuff, but they're really good. And so when my mother, she knew that I needed these skills in order to survive in life, and she could not find a way to get me to learn. And so she literally started punching me in the head, screaming at me, telling me how stupid and, and I was never going to be anything. Well, like I said, I can't even imagine what it must have been like in her mind because she went through a lot and her father used to beat everybody. And mm -hmm. so, and so she learned that, you know, this is the way you take care of your That's problem. how you handle things. Yeah. You know, you know and so I, I couldn't then or now say, oh, she's a bad person because I literally was feeling love from her, but she didn't know how to get me to learn. So that mm -hmm. was really, really important for my entire life because at that point, People also, well, when I was seven, I don't think I told everybody, when I was seven, they checked my eyes. I, I did. They checked my eyes and I had been almost totally blind. Yeah, well, right. When they started teaching me that that person over there isn't as good because of any physical characteristic, black, white, female, whatever it is, I'm like, no, that's, that's not what I'm feeling at all. You know, everybody is absolutely beautiful. They just need the information because the past generations had no information of any kind. My parents only had the information that they were taught 
from their parents. And their parents had no information. And if you go back throughout history, it just piled on, piled on, and piled on. And we just kept bringing that curse forward. Yeah. I, I, I call it the generational curse. And something happened. I, I wished her well, but something happened. And my mother was toxic to me. And so I told her, I said, look, says, I can no longer deal with you unless you, you know, start treating me as, as a human being or I'm just going to walk away. And so I walked away and 20 years later, she passes away. Well, when she passed away, she sent a message to me. And the message was, please break the generational curse. Mm -hmm. And when she sent this message to me, one, I was really angry because I, I, I just, I, I didn't want to deal with her anymore. I just didn't, you know, and all the people are like, well, you know that she was going to die. And are you going to be upset when she passes? And I'm like, look, I spent 40 years or more showing these people how much I love them, you know, mm -hmm. it's, and, and so it's like, yes, they're going to pass away eventually, but it's not like I didn't show them. So when my mother, so when my mother did that, it actually came to me through my daughter. And my daughter is, well, she was 39 at the time. And she says to me, grandma just wants me to pass one thing to you. And that is please break the generational curse. Hmm. And I, I said to Jesse, I said, Jesse, as far as the family goes, we've already done that. It, it, it's really, really cool because when my son was very young, he was me and he was so stubborn. You couldn't get anything into this kid and he was going to do anything he wanted to do. So at that point, we actually sought help to be parents. Information. Remember, yeah. they didn't have it. We did. That's right. And so, right. And so we were able to actually I found it very interesting that the therapist came in and with the exception of the first time, she dealt with my wife and I and only. She did not deal with David at all. Mm -hmm. She taught us how to communicate with one another. And my goal, my both my wife's goals and my goal was to raise two kids that liked themselves. Oh, yeah. I, it, 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 all of my life, I've had these terrible thoughts running through my head, you know, saying you're an idiot, you're stupid, and everything else, all the things that I was taught, and they just start running in your head, and you can't stop them. So as an inventor, I'm like, well, where did it start? And if that's where it started, can we start there with our kids and change it from the very, very beginning? So you don't have to go back and change it. And one of the most beautiful things that ever happened to me was there was two of them. One was my daughter and the other was my son. They gave me a compliment that they didn't even know they were giving. And I apologized to my daughter for her mama dying when she was only 15 years old because she went through a lot because of that. And she looks at me, I'll probably start crying. She looks at me and she says, but dad, had mama not died, David and I would not be the people we are. And I like who we are. 
I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, no. Right. And my son, one day, yeah, one my son was working in a store dealing with the public. And one day he comes home and he says, Dad, I want you to know I was having the worst day. It was terrible. And then a couple walked in and he reminded me of you. And the rest of my day was great. I'm like, oh. I was like, how can you get a better compliment than that? You know, and so that's where I wanted to start. But there's so mm -hmm. many, there's so many people now that already have that running in their head. So is yeah. there a yeah. scientific way that we, because I am an inventor, and so I also look at things scientifically. And because I had that spiritual in the first eight years of my life, I'm very spiritual. And so I have spent I didn't tell you about Mrs. Anderson. I'll tell, let me tell you real quick about Mrs. Anderson. When I was in fifth grade, they just kept pushing me forward in, in school. I wasn't passing anything. They just kept pushing me forward. But when I was in fifth grade, they decided that I wasn't going to be able to cut it in the world. I just They, they might as well put me in a, in a school and kind of push me off to the side someplace. Well, they sent me to this special school. And there I met an elderly teacher that actually was retired and came in just to help out kids like me. And excuse oh, nice. me, I've got to clear my throat. I got to clear my throat, I'm sorry. <clears throat> well, she did two things that was unbelievably simple. It was so simple. First, she literally got down on her knee and she looked me in the eye and she goes, you're smart. Uh, I was just a little boy that had been taught I was worthless. So I looked at her and said, no, I'm stupid. And she had taken the time to realize that I was an inquisitive little boy. I had to be shown. You can't tell me anything. So she mm -hmm. looks at me and she says, you're smart and I'll prove it. And at that point, <laughs> she, she started giving me assignments. And I had no idea that these assignments were as simple as they actually were. But I did know. I could do them. And after every single one, she'd hold it up right in front of my face and she'd say, see, you're smart. And this proves it. Yeah. So, Ms. Uh, so Mrs. Right, Anderson, Mrs. Anderson, props to her. We love some Mrs. Anderson. <laughs> right, right. And, and so because she took the time to look at who I was yeah. rather than look at me the way other people told her, she was right. then able to reach me. So she all she taught me that all it takes is one person to change another person's life forever, yeah. right? Yeah. So that happened when I was 11. So from the age of 11 until my age now, I have searched for the answers of how to get rid of that stuff in your head how to go about teaching other people so it never arrives at all. And I have been able to put together some really, really cool things. One is the book that I wrote, You're Amazing and I'll Prove It. And that is actually titled after Mrs. Anderson. You're smart. I see it and now. I'll prove yeah. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wanted to give her that credit because she changed my life. And yeah. um, so so I wrote that and one of the things I want everybody to understand is that the brain itself is very simple. I was looking at all these complicated places to figure out how I can change these things. And it turned out that it was the simpler it is for the brain, 
the better it, it, mm. it will absorb it and hold it. And the other thing is, is that the brain only, and this is all scientific, the brain only, the brain will react to whatever it is exposed to the way it reacted last time. So, so if you, uh, I, I usually use a spider because everybody understands, you know, they recoil most people when they see a spider. Well, Linda and I are in the house cleaning business and we, we part time. And so we run into spiders all the time. And so I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, I, I'm recoiling when there's really nothing there. And so can I, can I change that response? And so one of the things is, is that there's, a, there's, I call it healing eye movements. Medically, it's called EMDR, mm -hmm. e, uh, right? EMDR. And it is just incredibly simple to use. You just, you literally move your eyes from right to left. Try to keep your head basically still, but it doesn't matter if you move it a little bit. And my, this is just my theory because I've seen it happen with me is that especially if I'm outside, I'll look off into the woods. I, you know, I live in the Catskills, and so we have bears and other animals of which I'm not scared of, but you do not want to trap an animal. They, they wouldn't be happy about it. Right. So I, I, I'd look off, and I would move my eyes back and forth, and I'm like, wow, after I got that done, I had a peaceful feeling come over me. And I'm thinking that, well, if we went back to our ancestors and they lived right where we're living, the vast majority of them lived in the wild and they came out of the house and they looked around, they would have a sense of peace when they saw nothing. And yeah. so, I, so I started using that all the time, inside, outside. It didn't matter where I was. If I started feeling overwhelmed, I would use that. Well, that in conjunction with adding in there the spiders in this case and say, no, I'm no longer going to recoil. In my mind's eye, I just reach out and smack it and it's gone, right? And at this point, I tell people, sometimes I kind of feel sorry for the spider because <laughs> some, some of these spiders are outside. I'm like, they weren't doing anything. And yet- <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just living my life. Why, why are you coming at me? <laughs> You know, that's how powerful it is that if you yeah. can picture what you want. So I did the same thing with my head. I started saying, mm. I like Neil. You know, Neil's a good person. I love Neil. Neil, you know, Neil is helping people. He will do things. And I started saying really positive things to myself when I was moving my eyes back and forth. When I got into a mood, a bad mood, and I was talking bad to myself again, which doesn't happen very often anymore, but when it does, I made sure I did not move my eyes. It's like, okay, I'll allow you to mm. speak bad to them, but you are not going to program yourself to do this it. again. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. And, so, and so that simplicity is amazing uh, how, yeah. how the brain works. And with you're amazing and I'll prove it. I used really, really simple, very childlike examples in there where the brain wants to reject things. That's the first thing the brain wants. Mm -hmm. If somebody comes up and says, hey, I got all this information and stuff, your brain just says, no, 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 that, that isn't happening. I don't want it anymore. And so with these simple little things, even when the brain wants to reject it, it can't. And 
this is this is a perfect example of, of this is that I had a therapist. I walked into her room and she says, what can I do for you? I, I knew this woman from, for quite some time. And I said, well, I need a coach and the spirit world takes you. And she says, wow, you know, that, that's a compliment. <laughs> so she told me this story that she was really, really bad with math. And so she hired a tutor when she was in college. Well, the tutor walked in and she had a bucket. And she put the bucket on the floor and she had eight blocks in her hand. And she said, these eight blocks represent a hundred percent. She then took two of the blocks and threw it in the bucket. She says, how, what percentage is in the bucket? And this woman looks at the woman and says, I'm not an idiot. And she says, no, no, no. This has nothing to do with intelligence. It has everything to do with the way the brain works and the way it retains things. And so that simplicity, everybody's looking for these complicated ways of, of yeah. reaching, reaching themselves and changing things. And it's really, really simple. I have uh, in on our website, we have the book, we have Mental Power, which is a program I wrote many years ago for when I was coaching kids uh, for basketball so I could get them to mentally prepare for the game. And in there, I teach one of the things I teach, and this is the cool part for me, is that it's only like 10 pages long. So you don't have to sit down and read a gazillion yeah. pages. The information is right there for you. Well, one of the things with the brain is, is that it cannot tell the difference between what you want it to do and what you tell it to do. For mm -hmm. instance, if I'm on the basketball court or anywhere else for that matter, and I say, I will not miss this shot. The brain hears miss this shot. It mm. doesn't hear, I will not. So you have mm -hmm. to change, you have to change that to I will make this shot. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. And one of the really cool things is, is that when remember my son was me and we 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 couldn't reach him. <laughs> and so I'm trying to learn everything I could to be able to reach him. And I found that instead of telling him hands off, because I'm sorry, instead of don't touch, instead of don't touch, which the brain hears touch, and the mm -hmm. child will almost always touch, you say hands off. Mm -hmm. And at that point, he almost never touched at that, mm -hmm. at that point. So it's really important that when you use the eye movement, that you also use the right words. And like I said, mm. really short. The, I also okay. have I also have healing eye movement, which it's just easier than EMDR. So it's like all the healing eye movement. And I went to uh, another lady that I actually hire these people for coaches. Now she's also a therapy therapist, and I asked her about EMDR, and she says, "Well, it costs a lot of money in order for me to learn how to do it." I looked at her. I'm like. What are you talking about? It's just moving your eyes back and forth and knowing the right words to say. And she goes, well, will you do me a favor? And as you use it on yourself, will you write down your progress and what you learn? And so, yeah. I've, got, so I've got about 15 pages of that or so, which is also part of the website. You can get it right there. And so it, it, it's really, nice. really short. It, it's really short. And it's right there for you, all the information. And, yeah. and so 
So I actually uh, was on, well, I, I was on a, a show where I said, this is, this shortens your journey to freedom because mm-hmm. you won't, you won't have to search for this stuff. You won't have to read a thousand pages. You can just read yeah. these, these few little things and then start applying it in your own life. You can now get rid of that stuff that's running around in your head, telling you how bad you are. And it's, it's a really nice feeling to walk around and actually feel good about yourself. Not stuck up or anything, but you're just not running yourself yeah. down. Feel anymore. good, feel confident. You know? Yeah, right. that's right. Wow. Right. Man, Neil, your story is amazing. And, you know, to be able to go through the things that you went through, and we haven't even touched on just the the time in your life where you were, you know, as you describe it, being rented out, you know, by your parents and that trauma and the impact that that had in shaping, you know, how you felt and how you saw yourself. And to be able to, through the lens of curiosity, I think something we talk a lot about in Beyond Surviving is the place of curious. You know, how when we get into a very black and white this or that um, we get pretty stuck but when we stay in open and curious and um, investigative uh, that yeah we can discover you know pathways for ourselves and for our healing and that intuition and that intuitive guide can really take us to these places where we can find those kind of I didn't think it could be that simple but it can and even what you're talking about like we describe it in beyond surviving as stop versus start language right that absolutely you're totally on on the right track there the brain wants to you know when you use stop language the brain doesn't really do anything except for the thing you're telling it not to do exactly right exactly right right. and yeah but when you bring in that start language it directs you towards the behavior or towards the thing that you want instead so i love that you've you've hit upon that and you're teaching that i love all the resources that you've compiled and made available to people so folks be sure that you you know go over to the website and i'll put links to everything in the Thank show you. notes um, so that people can you know follow up with you there I'm kind of curious when you think about the idea of generational curses and how things get passed on and passed on and passed on. I want to I want to just come back and really highlight something that you said there about how starting with you as the parent is so important um, that it's not a, necessarily about fixing the kid. It's really about thinking through the lens of like, what is my trauma? How does that impact the way that I parent, the way that I discipline, the way that I react and respond? And as I become a better parent, and I I guess what I would love to know is just what are some of the things that you did learn um, that that helped you show up as the parent that you really wanted to and to not repeat those patterns um, that you saw in your parents and their parents and their parents before them? Well, the first, very first thing was to see it in myself. If I, if I didn't see it in myself, then I'm going to pass it on to them. And that came unbelievably starkly. It, it was just thrown in my face uh, of who I was at that point. I was, I don't know, 28 years old or so, and I was not doing good with life. I was, I, I hated Neil, you know, and I hated everything that was around him and things like this. And one day, my son, he was in kindergarten, and he came home, and he showed me a drawing that he had done. And on this drawing, he says, there's mama, there's sister, there's me, 
And there's daddy with his punch in hands because he's always angry. I said, oh no, oh my uh, God. Oh, oh my God. I said, that's how he sees me. That's horrible. Mm. So at that point, I really set out to work really hard on me. And the harder that you work on yourself, the more it reflects in the kids. My kids mm. are my kids are now full-blown adults. And you can ask my lady Linda here how many times they quote me back. And I'm mm. like, I really don't want you to tell me what I've been telling you. <laughs> Isn't it against you now? Yeah, right. You've taught them well. I think it's so important. It's a brave thing. And I think that's when we think about breaking generational trauma, it is access. Yeah, it is. It is true. Like generation and generations before didn't have access to the resources and the mental health care um, and the parenting, you know, skills, workshops, et cetera, that we have now. So just knowing that we have better access is a big piece of the puzzle, but then taking advantage of those resources. And that means you sometimes have to face hard things about yourself. Yeah. When you catch, when you see a moment of like, oof, I'm repeating this pattern. Um, but the good news is even if you've gotten into a moment of repeating, it's not fixed or finished that you can turn the page and create something new for yourself and for your family and for, for generations to come. And I think that's just such a brave, um, powerful thing um, that we do in this life is to, to change course and, and set out Absolutely. on a different path. Absolutely. There's just a little bit more to that story. And that is yeah. three, three years later, now he's eight years old. So he's still a, a child and he comes home. I don't even think he remembers the first photo, but he, he uh, drawing, he comes yeah. in and he's got this big smile on his face, this little boy. And he comes over, daddy, I, I drew a picture of our family. He says, look, there's sister, there's me, there's mama. And there's daddy with a big smile because he's always laughing. <laughs> wow. Isn't that yeah. something? Yeah, yeah. I, I said I changed yeah. it. I changed it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and that's it. That's I mean, breaking generational trauma and patterns. That's 100% a beautiful example of how we get to do that and show up differently for ourselves and for our family. And I think it's also true, just not just the kids in our lives, but just people in our lives in general, anyone who we have, you know, we come into contact with that we might have the opportunity to be an influencer, you know, of. And so, you know, getting our ish together. <laughs> so important and being able to turn that corner and then to share it out. And, and I love that you're doing that. So folks, I want to just tell you how you can get in touch with Neil. So you can go to Neil Brunel, the crazy Again, these links will be in the show notes, um, the doorway So you can check that out. He's on Facebook. He's on YouTube. So lots of great ways to connect with him. And Neil, as we are wrapping up today, um, do you have a final thought or word for our listeners today? It really doesn't matter where you are right now. You can move ahead and get better. I, I can't even imagine being in a darker place than I was. And if you are, you can still get, get out of that. So just get the information. And it's, like I said, it, it's not very much. The book itself, what is it? 120 pages long? It, it, it just Digestible. try to put all the yeah. info, yeah. Mm. You know? I love this that word fun. of encouragement, no matter where you are. This 
fun. Thank you so much um, for being here and for sharing yourself um, with us. And so um, just really, really appreciate you and, and thanks for your time. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you very, very much. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in and joining us today. Um, as always, you can pop over to rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore the resources on the site. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and then come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.